Welcome to The Reality Revolution. I'm your host, Brian Scott. Today, I'm dedicating an episode to answering a question I get every once in a while. And I've noticed when I read Neville Goddard lectures, he mentions getting this question a lot as well. That is, Brian, with everything that you say, do you believe that Jesus really existed? Who was Jesus Christ? So let's have some fun and talk about this topic of who was Jesus. Was Jesus real? Does he need to be real historically? What do we know? We've covered this very extensively on the podcast from a variety of different perspectives. I do know that I have a a belief that we are experiencing the law of confusion. We are not meant to know all the truths when we go through this world in this reality. But I can tell you what I've learned and what I have read about. We sort of begin with Neville Goddard's perspective so you understand what I'm saying. Neville explains that there is no historical Christ. There never was one and there never will be in his lecture, The Gospel, delivered on January 22, 1968. He even goes on to explain the story of Paul is an example of someone denying the historical Jesus, that the Bible itself, the portion of the Bible where Paul is talking, he is denying it. Paul was looking for the Messiah to come from the outside. And when he came from within, Paul was honest enough to record what happened to him, and for that he was condemned by the Sanhedrin, his own earthly brothers. They imprisoned him, chained him, and wanted his death because he dared to bring a translation of the prophecies of God that differed from what they expected. From the moment you're born, if you're in traditional society, you're taught religious perspectives of Jesus as a historical Jesus. That is what we're repeatedly told. And for a discerning personality that asks for evidence, they either become atheists or they know that this whole story obviously is not correct. If you're being genuine about what's presented in the Bible and what we know, we really don't know. So then you get the classic Christian perspective. Well, you need to have faith. All right. What am I having faith in? I have been looking for the external Messiah. I've been looking for evidence of it. And I have a good friend, Mike. I remember in college, we had both been on our own spiritual journey and he said he found Christ and he brought a book to me and provided all this historical evidence to me. There was some very, very interesting historical evidence that was presented that talked about Jesus. So we don't know exactly what happened. As Neville says in another lecture, you can never outgrow I am. There is no evidence of a historical Jesus Christ. We have the essence of Christ, but no historical one. The being within me that is speaking is the Christ. That which is talking to you is only a garment. Everyone knows its background. Its parents are known. Its physical brothers and limitations. Yet the being wearing the garment of flesh came out from God. Who is my father? For I am from above. The body I wear is from below. I am in the world, but not of it. For the being who awoke within me is the one speaking to you now. The idea that Christ comes from within 
makes a lot more sense when you go back and read the Bible. That's what they're getting at. And then you understand the book of Revelation, which is not talking about events happening outside in the world, but events happening within your own soul and chakras. And you're awakening the Christ within. The Christ returns. The Christ comes back within you and within us all. According to the law of one material, they do claim that a character named Yeheshua did exist. He was a first century Jewish preacher and religious leader, a central figure of Christianity. And in the raw contact, they claimed he was a wanderer, a starseed of the highest suboctive of fourth and fifth density. I read one part that says fifth density and another part from their website that's fourth chose to return to third in order to perform the mission of sharing the love vibration in as pure a manner as possible, eventually culminating in martyrdom in the event of the crucifixion. This is indicated in their material that there was this character, Yeshua. So it's very possible that according to the law of one material, this character did exist. But what does the history really say? While billions of people believe Jesus of Nazareth was one of the most important figures in world history, there are many that reject the idea that he even existed at all. Among scholars of the New Testament of the Christian Bible, there is little disagreement that he actually lived. Lawrence McChook, an associate professor of library science at Purdue University and author of Biblical Archaeology Review article on the extra-biblical evidence of Jesus, notes there was no debate about the issue in ancient times either. Jewish rabbis who did not like Jesus or his followers accused him of being a magician and leading people astray, he says, but they never said he didn't exist. Here's the kicker, though. There is no archaeological evidence of Jesus. There is no definitive physical or archaeological evidence of the existence of Jesus. There's nothing conclusive, nor would I expect there to be, McChook says. Peasants don't normally leave an archaeological trail. The reality is we don't have archaeological records for virtually anyone who lived in Jesus' time and place. The lack of evidence does not mean a person at the time didn't exist. It means that he or she, like 99.99% of the world, made no impact on the archaeological record. Questions of authenticity continue to surround the direct relics associated with Jesus, such as the crown of thorns he reputedly wore during his crucifixion. I think there's one possibly housed in the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, and then the Shroud of Turin, a linen burial cloth purportedly emblazoned with the image of his face. Archaeologists, though, have been able to corroborate elements of the New Testament story of Jesus, while some disputed the existence of ancient Nazareth, his biblical childhood hometown, Archaeologists have unearthed a rock-hewn courtyard house along with tombs and a cistern. They have also found physical evidence of Roman crucifixions, such as that of Jesus described in the New Testament. The most detailed record of the life and death of Jesus comes from the four Gospels and other New Testament writings. These are all Christian and are obviously and understandably biased in what they report and have to be evaluated very critically indeed to establish any historically reliable information. But their central claims about Jesus as a historical figure, a Jew with followers executed on orders of the Roman governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate, 
during the reign of the emperor Tiberius are borne out by later sources with a completely different set of biases. Within a few decades of his lifetime, Jesus was mentioned by Jewish and Roman historians in passages that corroborate portions of the New Testament that describe the life and death of Jesus. Historian Flavius Josephus wrote one of the earliest non-biblical accounts of Jesus. The first century Jewish historian Flavius Josephus is far and away our best source of information about first century Palestine. Twice mentions Jesus in Jewish Antiquities, his massive 20-volume history of the Jewish people that was written around 93 AD. Thought to have been born a few years after the crucifixion of Jesus around 37 AD, Josephus was a well-connected aristocrat and military leader in Palestine who served as a commander in Galilee during the first Jewish revolt against Rome between 66 and 70 AD. In one passage of Jewish antiquities that recounts an unlawful execution, Josephus identifies the victim, James, as the brother of Jesus who is called Messiah. While few scholars doubt the short account's authenticity, says Mikchuk, some more debate surrounds Josephus' lengthier passage about Jesus, known as the Testimonium Flavianum, which describes a man who did surprising deeds and was condemned to be crucified by Pilate. Tacitus connects Jesus to his execution. Tacitus was another historian and gave an account in Annals of Imperial Rome, a first century history of the Roman Empire by the Roman senator and historian Tacitus. In chronicling the burning of Rome in 64 AD, Tacitus mentions the Emperor Nero falsely blamed the persons commonly called Christians who were hatred for their enormities. Christus, the founder of the name, was put to death by Pontius Pilate, procurator of Judea in the region of Tiberias. There are additional Roman texts that reference Jesus. The Bible does not describe Jesus. There is no description, and whatever image I use in the thumbnail will, will create comments about Jesus. Obviously, he doesn't look like the normal picture that we see. Obviously, he had dark skinned, curly hair, if he was located in that area at that time. So it's funny when I see those images. The really interesting thing that a lot of historians are avoiding is the amazing book, The Mystical Life of Jesus, by H. Spencer Lewis. Now, this book purports to give a full description of Jesus' life. The unusual thing about the Bible, we get no explanation of the middle years of Jesus. And if there was a true Messiah that was by himself, the only Messiah to be born, then you would think that there would be a better documentation of his life. One of the real mysteries is what happened to Jesus when he all but disappeared from the scriptures at 12 years old, only to resurface around 30 to begin his ministry. Why aren't people asking about that? And so you have some interesting books, The Missing Years of Jesus by Dennis Price, The Lost Years of Jesus by Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Those go into a variety of different details about what has happened through channelings and evidence. There's a book called Jesus Lived in India by Holger Kirsten that has some pretty interesting evidence that he did indeed live in India. And some of these 
books will say that he actually survived the crucifixion and lived in India after the crucifixion. There's also The Christ of India, a book by Albert George Burke, The Lost Teachings of Jesus by Mark Prophet. There's an old book called The Unknown Life of Jesus Christ from an ancient manuscript discovered in a Buddhist monastery that is super fascinating you can find on Kindle. The idea is there's a lot more information that historians have ignored, and the really interesting one is the mystical life of Jesus, which is from the Rosicrucians that purports to talk about the virgin birth of avatars, the mystical birth of Jesus, the birthplace and the Magi. It goes into his priesthood, his secret priesthood, his attaining the mastership, his mystic beginnings of the Christ mission. He goes through an initiation in this secret society. They taught him and they found some evidence. If you read the book, it describes the evidence coming from Rosicrucian archives in foreign lands, embracing the records of the Essenes, the Nazarenes, and the Nazarites, as well as the complete record of the Great White Brotherhood in Tibet, India, and Egypt. They've always been sources of knowledge that are available to the Rosicrucians, and so he gives verification through the writings of these shared brotherhoods that had made up the Rosicrucian society. So clearly there was an individual that history remembers. At least there are echoes of his memory in historical documents. The question is, who was Jesus really? And the mistake that is made is by treating him as the only Messiah. He was an individual that found the love vibration and shared it humbly, unselfishly, in such a powerful way The key is his teachings and what he taught changed the world because he taught that you are the I am. He was saying, I am God and you are God. Ye are gods. That is what he was saying. He found the most powerful understanding of the Bible and spoke it with his words. And by speaking it, he performed miracles. So there is a very good chance that he historically existed. But the point is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he historically existed or not. He exists within you. And when you awaken to this power, you understand the teachings of Jesus. You go back. And he was this amazing teacher. Jesus taught in parables because he was teaching people that had very little understanding of common concepts that we discuss. So we read it and it seems unusual. But when you read deeper into it and you understand it, the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus are amazing and sometimes radical. They're powerful and interesting. There is an amazing discussion of who Jesus really was by the one and only Alan Watts. And while I would love to read his words for you, nobody does it or delivers it better than the man himself. So I want you to listen to what Alan Watts has to say about who Jesus really was. So the gospel of Jesus, which of course was hushed up from its inception, was that wake up everybody and find out who you are. Asking that again in the Gospel of St. John, they, pointing to his disciples, may be one, even as you, Father, and I are one. And when he was accused 
of blasphemy. The Jews took up stones to stone him, you know. And he said, many good works have I shown you from the Father. And from which of these do you stone me? And they said, for a good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you being a man, make yourself God. Now listen to the reply. He said, is it not written in your law, I have said ye are gods? And if that is what the scripture says, it can't be denied. So why do you tell me I blaspheme because I say I am a son of God? No answer. Because I said I am a son of God. It doesn't say that in your King James translation. It says I am the son of God. And you'll see the the italicized and you will think that that is for emphasis if you don't realize that passages in italics in the King James Bible are interpolations by the translators. In Greek, leaving out the definite article is equivalent of having the indefinite article. We us to you is a son of God, not oios to you. So son of in Hebrew and in Arabic means of the nature of. When we call someone a son of a bitch, we mean bitchy. And so if you call someone a son of God, you mean divine. Of the nature of God. As the Nicene Creed subsequently defined it, he is of one substance with the Father. But what happened was that this being blasphemy for the Jews, it became blasphemy for the Christians, for anyone else than Jesus to say it. They said, okay, baby, it was so with you, but there it stops. No more of this business. And as a result of that, Jesus was made irrelevant by pedestalization, by being kicked upstairs, in spite of the fact that he said, greater works than these that I do shall you do. Oh, no. Upstairs with you, baby. Because... Uh, we just can't have that sort of thing going on in a monarchical universe. We are not going to have democracy in the kingdom of heaven. So, this is why the gospel is impossible. Because we are supposed to follow the example of Christ. Where he says, for example, be not anxious for the morrow. Do not worry about what you shall eat, what you shall drink, and what you shall wear. God will take care of you. Doesn't he take care of the birds? Don't the flowers grow? They're wonderful. They're crazy. They're great. What are you worrying about? I've never heard a sermon preached on that. Never. <laughs> because it's totally subversive. The economy would crash. So they say, oh, yes, that's all very well. But he was the boss's son. See, he had that colossal advantage. <laughs> take up your cross and follow him. Hey, but wait a minute. I don't know I'm going to be resurrected three days later. <laughs> I can't do all those miracles. He had an unfair advantage. So how could you ask us to follow the example of Christ? But supposing he didn't have an unfair advantage. Supposing that what was true about Jesus as a son of God is true of us. Only only a few of us know it and we are pretty careful to be quiet about it lest the same thing happen to us as happened to Jesus 
and indeed it often does. And you know, you get these people from Arkansas or uh, Texas or uh, anywhere in the Bible Belt who never heard of the Upanishads and they have this cosmic consciousness experience and they realize that that's what happened to Jesus. They say, I'm Jesus, come back. Well, everybody says to them, you aren't Jesus. It's pretty obvious you're not Jesus. You're just Joe, you're just Joe Dukes. Well, they say, he says that's what they said about Jesus. <laughs> he has a perfect argument, except they say you're not much of a Jesus. <laughs> they say, uh, all right, if you're Jesus, command that these stones be made bread. And he says, a wicked and deceitful generation seeketh for a sign, and there shall no sign be given. Now, why talk about this? Is it interesting? Is it important? For the human being to realize that in some sense of the word, whatever it means, he is God or one with God. As is plainly taught by the Hindus, hinted at by the Buddhists, only they don't like to put it out as a concept in case people will use the concept as an idol to hang on to. They want you to find out for yourself and not believe in it. And certainly the Taoists understand it, the Sufis understand it, a lot of people understand it. And so what? Well, the importance of it is this, that to know that you are God is another way of saying that you feel completely with this universe you feel profoundly rooted in it and connected with it. You feel, in other words, that the whole energy which expresses itself in the galaxies is intimate. It is not something to which you are a stranger, but it is that with which you, whatever that is, are intimately bound up. That in your seeing, your hearing, your talking, your thinking, your moving, you express that which it is which moves the sun and other stars. Nobody was a better lecturer and teacher than Ellen Watts. He can speak to a part of you that wants to know, that's experiencing the mysteries. And the key to who Jesus really was is you. Jesus really was you. That's who you are. That's what the Bible says. And that's what happened to Yeshua. He found the Jesus within. There is a difference between the Christ or Jesus. You are Jesus. That is who you are. Try out my I am Jesus Christ meditation. When you go to sleep, just say to yourself, I am Jesus Christ. I am Jesus Christ. Everyone will encounter resistance to that. When you say that on a regular basis, you will get resistance to it. It's very difficult. It's hard to understand then it starts to make sense. Then you embrace it. And then there's a part of you that understands it. You will get evidence of this. According to Neville Goddard, you will have visual experiences that will show you that you are the Christ. You are Jesus. So I think both of these parts of it are fascinating to me that there was this person that found the higher love vibration through the mysteries. And the worst thing that we can do is try to say that he was alone by himself and there never will be another. That he was the in italics. He was the son of God. The only one. But what a wonderful creation it would be 
if it was everyone and everything changes based on the timeline that you're in but once you awaken to this you start to realize that you are Jesus and it may not happen in this physical life but you'll be placed in a simulation at some point where you continue to have experiences until you awaken to who you are when this awakening happens you may have a vision where someone comes to you and says who you are and so we are in this experience living for thousands and thousands of years of different experiences within these simulations to awaken a part of us that is the creator that who we are we are awakening breaking out of the shell like an egg and we're in the egg now and we're about to take birth as God we can then go on and create our own universe our own galaxy whatever it is we are free as the creator as different portions of the creator and so when you look in to the skies at night and see the stars each of those are different portions of the creator spread throughout exploring this amazing infinite multiverse in every way shape and form and everything that you see is an example of the infinite versions of yourself all of it is available to you there is no limitations you are the real Jesus and I bet you historically there are many many other real Jesuses there's many other people that have found Christ within that have led amazing lives perhaps invisibly from the rest of us healing helping people humbly doing it without any call for attention upon themselves the miracles that Jesus performed as he said we could perform those and greater and I believe strongly there are people that are performing these miracles they happen in different ways than you'd expect but we're in coming into touch with it and imagine the story of Jesus as you grew up with imagine this amazing person that shows up and starts healing people people coming from all around to be healed and to be transformed and I want you to imagine a world in the external where there were millions of Jesus Jesus didn't come back as one person on one continent in one city but millions of it and as people awaken to this person is acting Christ-like it awakens something in them and imagine just this group of people that spread throughout the land that all enter into their own divinity sharing their love sharing their thoughts and acquiring their power healing all things are possible with God and imagine a group a social memory complex of Jesus Christ's awakening that is what is in store that is what is happening we know from the quo material that this same soul has done this on many other planets and in many of those situations sacrificed himself on other planets to bring this love vibration you know about it now because of that contribution those writings but you also know about it from within because we don't learn or know anything except from within and what better way for God to teach us not to put it in history and for us to depend on some historical fact 
that clearly could be false and there could be no evidence of him ever existing. It's absolutely possible that there was no Yeshua or Jesus, that no one existed. It doesn't matter. You are the real Jesus. Right now, in this moment, you have the power of Christ to help those around you, to make the insane person sane, the unhealthy person healthy. You have the power within you. You've always had the power. You've used it often for yourself, but many times you've effectively used it for others. And now you're awakening to it. And if you awoke to this fact that you are one of the sons, as we all are, of the Creator, with this great knowing, this great responsibility, because you are more awakened than others that are asleep to this fact, to, that are asleep to the, your own divinity, you are the Word. You are the Creator. It is you that is awakening. And when you awaken, you may be the only one in your city or town or environment. And there is a reason for that because you are there to heal. And my voice calls out to you, the one that doesn't know, that doesn't believe. And I speak to your subconscious and I say, awaken, O sleeper, awaken. Whereas Neville tells us, God is asleep. God died to become you and is asleep within you and is awakening and the whole world around us is just a dream of the god within you there is this spark and spend time to connect to the jesus within you the more you do that the more you'll understand who jesus really was you can find all episodes of the reality revolution at therealityrevolution.com and welcome to the Reality Revolution.